and welcome to episode 5 of Game On Girl. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, and Rhonda and I have a very exciting show planned for you today. But before we launch into the episode, I need to give a shout out to Noobcast Gaming and their podcast crew. They graciously invited me to host on an episode recently, and I got a chance to talk even more about cyber drag, gamer types, and gender in game with another great group of gamers. If you haven't checked them out, make sure to at www. Noobcast Gaming, which is N-E-W-B-C-A-S-T-G-A-M-I-N-G dot com. I'll have a link to their site up with the episode description. So, Rhonda, I think today is pretty much a landmark episode, wouldn't you say? Yes, it is. But it is the next step that you wanted to take in your research on gaming and gender. Yeah, exactly. This is exactly the the direction I wanted to go. Not only today are are we interviewing live gamers, but they're guys. Yay. (laughs) And I'm excited. Yeah. And I'm excited to get this viewpoint because even if you were only focusing your research on girls in gaming, to get a complete picture even there, I still think you would need the guy's perspective. Absolutely. I really wanted to to go from, you know, the dissertation needed to be limited for the sake of um, finishing the dissertation. (laughs) So now we have the opportunity to sort of open things up. So let me introduce to you guys Mark. Hello. And Ryan. Hello. Uh, to the guys I game with on a regular basis. So, how you doing today, guys? Fantastic. Excellent. Excellent and fantastic. Glad it's to hear It's a pleasure you. to be on the, the podcast. Thank you. It is, indeed. <laughs> and you guys are up to date. You've listened to the, the episodes and know what we've been talking about and sort of what we're doing. So... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow, that's part. a hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> no yes, pressure they, they there. They are wonderful episodes. We highly endorse them all. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> Do you guys want to give um, a little sort of background about your your gaming experiences and, and whatnot before we sort of launch into to the more formal questions? I would say I got into gaming... You know, the way that uh, most people of my, my generation got into it with uh, Nintendo and uh, Super Mario Brothers was my first. And I had uh, previous experience with Atari and, and things like that. And uh, Mark and I have always been uh, gaming uh, gaming partners and gaming compadres. Yeah. Um, and we both started basically online gaming together with, I think it was Call of Duty, wasn't it? No, it was Medal of Honor, actually. Medal of Honor. But it was... No. I was just going to say, going back prior, before that, even uh, both of us, uh, you know, be, us being related and growing up together, um, even before video games came along, um, we were we were gaming as kids. We learned how to play poker. Like you know, Ryan's five years younger than me, so like when I was, you know, ten and he was five, you know, we were playing poker. You know, we weren't doing it exactly by canon, mind you, but you know. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the basics. And he was a big fan of playing 52-card pickup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he was. <laughs> um, and uh, from there, um, I got into role-playing games in my um, early teens. Um, obviously, D&D was the, the main one back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just picked up on strategy games along the way and got into tabletop miniature games, which I kind of dragged Ryan into for a while. Yeah, I played that for a bit. I wasn't uh, super into it. Um, I, I did get some figures and painted them up, and uh, Mark showed me uh, how that, that all worked and the techniques, and that was a lot of fun. 
he also got me into playing uh, Magic with him, so we got into that pretty deep for a while, and we lived in uh, the same town together um, as adults, and then uh, we ended up moving apart. But uh, and now the the main way that we stay in contact together is we actually game online together as much as we can, which unfortunately isn't as much as we'd like nowadays, but uh, we still tend to get a chance in usually once every week or two. So the gaming yeah. is sort of the, the way that you bridge the distance between living in different states now. Absolutely, as it is with you. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> People talk to us and yeah. want to know how Mark is, they ask me. Right. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot, too, from my family as well. So are you guys sort of unique in your family in terms of being gamers? I mean, you said you play cards sort of growing up with each other, so there must have been some gaming. But is, as gamers or digital gamers and you know, defining yourself as gamers, is that unique to you guys in your family? No. Well, <laughs> I would say, like, nowadays... Mark and I are probably the the heaviest gamers in the family, but Definitely. you know, just last night uh, my brother was over and we were all playing Rummy together. So, right, you know, we do enjoy getting together and playing games. Uh, I would say digital gaming for sure um, amongst the immediate family. Yeah, amongst the the siblings. But uh, you know, tabletop card games, things like that, we still get together and play those quite often, right, right. or as often as we can. Uh, Ryan's brother Mike actually got me into playing Vampire the Masquerade for a while and um, he actually he was the one that introduced me to Magic so he's also been uh, um, if not a heavy component and he's definitely been kind of a pillar in places here and there. So there's still connections sort of with the family and everybody you know, yeah. connected and my, with gaming. And my sister has always kind of had a peripheral interest in it. Um, she's not like us at all as far as being a heavy gamer. She does like to play games here and there, but um, you know, she's she's always you know seen you know me playing D and D or you know us playing video games and would want to be involved to a small degree. To a but degree, yeah. So okay. I was just going to point out that uh, Ryan's um, wife and two stepdaughters are actually um, digital gamers. They they are oftentimes seen around the house with a laptop or a DS or something playing yeah, it's some a, video game or another. It's amazing how many uh, like little website gamings that are they're pushing to the youth these days. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Zwinky or something like that is one thing that uh, my youngest daughter plays and it's like, man, you can't you can't tear her away from it. And I look at him, it's like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> She's been playing it um, pretty much the last two days straight that I've seen her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. Ryan was your wife a gamer before? Yeah, she. Uh, I mean, she owned the. I think it was the super, not the Super Nintendo. The uh, yeah, I guess it was the yeah, super, super Nintendo, Nintendo. Uh, that she owned when we first got together. And you know, she has a history of playing. Nintendo with her dad, that was uh, a big bonding moment with the two of them that she's she's uh, told me now. You know, just with various strategy games and things like that, they would spend hours and hours in front of the TV just helping each other out, playing games. And she loves the concept of games now, but it seems like every time I buy her a game, she gets bored with them very quickly. <laughs> That's too bad. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> cool. So how, given all that and given your history and, uh, together and, and individually and how games sort of impacted your life, how would you guys define a gamer? Uh, why don't you take that one first? 
basically, since you kind of already explained my position, I think it was in podcast two or three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go over it again. But um, basically, I think somebody who is a gamer at, the, at its most basic level derives the most pleasure um, in their entertainment area as, in gaming. Um, and I don't think it has anything to do with what games you're playing. Um, you know, it can be card games, it can be board games, it can be, you know, tabletop miniature games, it can be role-playing games, it can be video games, it can be, you know, different genres of video games. Um, but, you know, if you're a gamer, you can pretty much, I think, look back, you know, throughout the history of your life and for the most part say, you know, yeah, I've always played games in one form or another. And that was kind of the thing that when you, you know, were playing that on your previous podcast, I, I kept feeling like, like you said, they were kind of skirting around that. Right, and, right. Everybody was talking about it, but not actually saying that. Yeah. And, definition. you know, yeah. It, it really isn't a matter of, you know, whether it's digital gaming or not, it's mm-hmm. gaming, period. And I think to a degree, how much of your free time is spent doing that, you know, regardless of how much you have, it's it's probably going to be a bigger chunk than all your other um, entertainment. Right. So sort of a primary hobby or interest of some sort. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, a gamer is somebody that, you know, kind of like Mark was saying, will invest a significant amount of time into that particular game. And again, I don't think it matters, you know, whether it's digital or, you know, D&D or tabletop, uh, anything like that. Just, you know, if that's your passion, that's your hobby, you know, that I think that is a gamer. And obviously, you know, as you've alluded to in your previous podcasts, you know, there's a certain um, smugness and, uh, you know. Pride. Pride in, mm-hmm. in the gaming, and you know, some people will take it to the extreme. You oh, know. yeah. Well, and 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 that's true of any sort of identity formation where you know people can kind of get so involved in it that they they get a little too overly enthusiastic sometimes. Right. Right. I remember when um, I was a young lad, I went to a place called Ron's Coin and Book with my grandfather um, when he was still alive, and I think that was the first time that I realized that. Uh, um, playing a game or being interested in a game could be more than just, you know, something you do on the side because we'd go in there and there'd be these older gentlemen um, playing chess in there. And I thought it was kind of weird to see people playing a game outside of their home. And I think, you know, looking back on it, that's where I think I realized that, you know, gaming and being passionate, you know, is kind of a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many varieties out there um, that really... There, I, you know, I think there's a game out there for anybody to become a, you know, a quote unquote gamer um, that suits their lifestyle or, you know, personality. Yeah. Well, that was that was part of what I talked about in the last chapter of the dissertation when I was um, making the argument that gaming is becoming more mainstream of culture rather than sort of a subculture. The 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 handheld you know phones and smartphones and handheld devices like iPads and you know tablets and things like that are are making some of the digital games more accessible to people who might not have gravitated toward them bef- before so right yeah and i think it would be interesting too to look at um, so many of the people we've talked to had a background in gaming, which typically was tabletop gaming. Mm-hmm. And that was the, f- like you were describing, 
the family event, the family social time. I mean, board games were just prolific when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. What I wonder is what happened when gaming became digital that that changed it from this family event or this perceived family event to a perceived non-social event. Right. When it really is, obviously, from your dissertation, extremely social. Mm-hmm. Even, even games that aren't, you know, designed to be social. Um, yeah. One of, the, one of the things that Will Wheaton talked about in the PAX address that he did several years ago was, you know, when you played, you, you know, Super Nintendo and you were doing Mario Brothers, and, you know, there were there were certain people who did certain levels because they could do that level. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know? So it, it does kind of cross over. And that's kind of and that relates back to what Mark was talking about and sort of having it, it, it be a public identity changes, changes it. You know, it, it's different when you're at home playing games with your family and it's the thing your family does. It's different when you go someplace and you you meet people and you create a community through gaming. Well, I thought I have on that. Uh, I remember when I played, you know, the Super Mario Brothers when that first came out, and I had a friend of mine that lived down the road uh, named Matt. And whenever you, you know, you'd have a, a problem on the game, you had to pick up the phone and give him a call, or you know, go over to his house and check out mm-hmm. how he did the certain part in the level. Exactly. Right. And but it seems to me it's a little less social on that aspect now because you can just very easily go on and do you a Google to, search yeah. for how do you I get past YouTube this part of the and, level and watch somebody's recorded video of it right. although yeah. although it's 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 it still can be social because if you look at some of those videos like I got stuck uh, when I was playing Plants vs Zombies um, the the the, the bobsleds oh my god the bobsleds <laughs> i couldn't do it like i just couldn't do it so i finally went online and i watched a video you know to to get some pointers and then i looked at the comments and then people in the comments were saying well this is another thing you can do and you can do this and you can do that and so it it's it still it has the the potential to be social just not in the same aspect of like calling up your buddy who's also a gamer and saying dude what do you do to do this Right, and I another thing when you're when you're mentioning um, you know Atari and uh, Nintendo and how it kind of um, became more of a perceived antisocial event, I think the reason that was is it was generational. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of parents were uh, turned off back in the day um, or just didn't get it, um, and so they didn't they didn't. You know, try to be part of that, or or maybe they felt like it was a kids thing and they didn't need to be a part of that. Because right. um, when we were playing, you know, Nintendo as kids and and Atari, it was a very social thing mm-hmm. um, for you know me and Ryan and our other siblings, you know, to play those games together. But our parents never did, right. um, which is funny because my mom now really likes playing video games <laughs> <laughs> and was a huge was a huge fan of Doom and uh, um, what was it Hexen or whatever was the the fantasy version of that Mm -hmm. um or no maybe it's just hex i don't remember i don't remember Um, yeah i think you're right mark because the i mean we always played board games and stuff together but i remember as soon as my brother and i we got an atari and a nintendo my parents quit playing and i recently got my mother hooked on plants versus zombies and it 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 seemed like that that you had to break down a barrier there of some Mm -hmm. sort of a mystique or intimidation um, to get them to cross over. Yeah, it's almost like they're um, em- 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 embarrassed about not doing well mm-hmm. at first. So you really have to, 
you really have to encourage them. <laughs> well, I don't think it's any different than a young person that, you know, walks or like tries to play, you know, modern warfare or something like that and mm-hmm. is completely getting wiped out. You know, they feel a little foolish because they're not as good as everybody else in the, the lobby or the room, whatever they're playing in. Yeah, but I'm, well, I'm I'm just thinking it takes a softer touch, you know, with you know, like a parent or something like that. You really have to cultivate it. it isn't something right. you can just go here. It is. It's fun, and you think it looks fun, so go have fun now, <laughs> like you could with a kid. <laughs> well, Regina, why don't we um, talk about how uh, the guys go about creating their avatars? Because sure. that begins to get deeply into um, more of what your research was about. Absolutely. I don't know which one of you wants to talk first, but. Um Talk about when you go in game, what you're thinking about while you make an avatar. Um, I'll I'll go first. Go first because this is I, Mark that's going first. I yeah, just make Mark. Sure Mark's going first. <laughs> Everybody, go Mark, Mark. Go. Go Mark. Go. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes it's there's no concept whatsoever. Um, it'll be a you know sit down. You know, like when I played WoW, it'd be like I want to make an undead undead character, and I you know just start. Going through the the different looks, and one uh, one of the things I, I find that I tend to do with my characters is, um, and it, and this goes to your your self players who try to do an idealized version of themselves. I oftentimes don't try and do an idealized version of myself. What I tend to do is I tend to like to make my tunes ugly, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's just. I, I don't know. It's just a rebellion of some sort <laughs> in the face of, you know, everybody wanting to have the, the perfect body and the perfect look and everything. Not that I would consider myself homely by any stretch, but um, I, I don't know. Just me going against the grain. But Yeah, um, I actually had a, a participant who said almost the exact same thing. Um, she she went in game and and she played a she made, played a male avatar in WoW when she first started, and she just tried to make him as ugly as she could possibly make him and brutal and just you know awful. Mm-hmm. And then when WoW opened up the option to change and it was a male avatar to change your your gender, she went in and made you know him into a female avatar and she said when she went back to play she 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 never identified with the character the same way <laughs> yeah <laughs> that and she did that first one the first ugly one she kept looking for that ugly guy who was who she was <laughs> yeah which is kind of like you with uh, dungeon defenders right it's now exactly how i am with dungeon <laughs> defenders right now <laughs> um going back to making my avatar um I am a bit of a self player in that um, I have long hair and usually have some sort of beard going on. So typically I try to get my avatars to do that if it's a, an option available, but it isn't a deal breaker. Like I heard with some of um, your, your uh, interviewees mm-hmm. um, like in star Wars, the old Republic, which I'm playing right now. Um, my main character is uh the Rotataki race and they don't have an option of having hair and I had no problem with it just because I thought they looked cool. So Right. So maybe uh, the the graphic design itself sort of trumped that for you. Yeah, it did, but um not to the point where I was turned off of making that that race. That race right. And then from there it's uh, I don't. I don't even tend to necessarily do my own body type. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I make my 
Avatar tall. Sometimes I don't. You know, depends on the game and what what's an option. Okay, it isn't a huge it. issue to me. The I think probably the biggest thing is just the hair and the beard. And even then, like if it's not an option, it doesn't really bother me. Mm-hmm. And the other way that I tend to make characters is sometimes as I actually do come up with a concept ahead of time, you know, oh, I want to, you know, make an orc death knight and I want him to kind of look like this and I'll go and, you know, do that, you know, with a preconceived notion. Of what you're looking but, for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Cool. All right. Um, well, I'm kind of a mixed bag when it comes to that sort of things, uh, when it comes to the avatars. And I'm actually going to go back a little bit to the past when we were playing first-person shooter war games and that was before you could you know create your avatar within game and you had to post a picture or something like that for your avatar to uh you know create your identity to, uh, yeah to to mark it as you like on the on the forums you mean right. yeah like on the forums and yeah. things like that and that was like my first experience with with dealing with an avatar and i i specific, specifically remember uh, mark and i were part of a uh, uh, an LB clan was it Lost Battalion? Yeah, it was a clan for um, Medal of Honor and um, Call of Duty but back when they were World War II shooters. Um, it stood for Lost Battalion. Yeah, Lost Battalion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually went into Photoshop and, you know, created an avatar for Mark where he was a pinhead from Hellraiser with, you know, grenades strapped to him and a, and a helmet. And um, <laughs> I, I found, like, a cartoon army guy that I put on top of my head. And we actually ended up going to one of uh, our our clan member's wedding, mm-hmm. and I took that wedding picture and I put all our avatars over our faces and things like that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, but as far as, like, you know, modern games, for, like, World of Warcraft and stuff, and Mark and I were discussing this a couple days ago in preparation for the podcast, um, I have a tendency to only create gnomes, very yes. pasty white gnomes. <laughs> I've, I've noticed this. It was one of the things I wanted to make sure we talked about it because I've never, I've never asked you about it before, but it was always a point of curiosity for me because you know I, n- I never turn the researchers never turned off. I would like uh, to I say understand. that I that I don't <laughs> <laughs> do that with the people that I game with, but but I'm always looking. So, and you know, and Mark and I were trying to get down to the uh, the Freud of it all. <laughs> of why I do that. And, you know, I think it's just, you know, for that game specifically, because you run around in the third person so much and your avatar is, you know, so much in your vision when you play that game, you know, I'm a I'm a very tall dude. Well, I, I'm not like, you know, freakishly tall, tall but I'm... You're tall you know, in our family. I'm tall, sure. <laughs> tall in my family. You know, I just, I think just to, you know, kind of fall into the, the fantasy role-playing bit of it, you know, I, I, I think the... The gnomes are just cute little dudes, you know, mm-hmm. and they, uh, I think all of them are pasty white, though, so that, that's not any different than yeah, myself. Yeah, I, I don't think you can really, you can't really change the, the color much, the, you know, I think you can change the hair color and that kind of thing, but uh, they're all pretty light-skinned. I, I so, Ryan, be- it's, the, it's the appearance, not the, um, the class, the, the abilities or the skills of the class of the gnomes, it's their appearance that makes you pick them. Well, I think the first gnome that I made, uh, part of it was the the talent of the class because they had the ability to, you know, worm their way out of traps and things like that. And that did appeal to me. You know, there may be some psychological behind that just because I'm always hitting my head on things. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, that's really the only game that I do that. You know, and I play sports games on, you know, consoles like Xbox and PlayStation you know, where most of those players are mimicked directly after me, 
you know, hair color, hairstyle as much, much as possible, body type, because I suck at sports most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so I you get to not made... suck in the game. So, yeah, <laughs> so exactly. you represent well, more as to who you physically are because of that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I recently made a player for a basketball game that I'm playing now that looked like Abraham Lincoln. Because I had just finished reading Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and I was like, I'm going to make Abraham Lincoln a basketball player. (laughs) And he he looks just like him, and he was six foot four in real life. So I figured, hey, that's not totally inconceivable. Right, yeah. Um, But, you know, you play a game like uh, Sims, you know, and then, you know, that gives you a lot of freedom on, you know, that stuff. And I ended up making an entire town of just people I knew and tried to model the people as close as I could to the, the actual people. Yeah. So well, that's interesting. Um, side, sort of a side note, but a, another friend of ours who's a gamer actually took her took her Wii and she made Mies for all of her family um, and all of her friends. And it was, you know, sort of this, you know, this game for her to go in and, and see how close she could get to kind of representing people. And to the point where she made representations of like her uncle had just passed away. And so as like a mourning process, she, she you know, included him in. <laughs> No. As as part of you know still recognizing him him as part of the family so so interesting that that's that's sort of a a, a similar theme. I do yeah. that with uh, with my me whenever I'm on a on a Wii. In yeah. fact, and other people have turned on a, a Wii and seen my avatar go walking through and go, "Hey, Mark has a an avatar on here." <laughs> <laughs> and it seems to me like the Wii and the the Xbox and when the PS3 put out their lobby system in. That was the first time that I think avatars really went into the mainstream gaming mm-hmm. and like creating it. I remember watching my daughter, uh, you know, create all sorts of different me's and stuff for herself. And like before I knew it, she had like 50 or so <laughs> just <laughs> flying, flying around in this little town of hers. I was like, wow. Interesting. Well, you know, and, and I think, you know, as we get older, we get more wed to who we are. So she probably had an easier time seeing herself as 50 different characters. Yeah. Then we might. Well, yeah, because for, when oh. I just created my Mass Effect characters, I, I, I got um, ME3, and then I immediately I went back and ordered ME2. And the two Shepherds, I, I, I created them entirely different time spans, and I went through every single step individualistically, they still came out looking alike, even if they had. I, I was like, I'm going to change your hair, and it's going to be different. <laughs> the face and everything turned out looking exactly the same. The eyes, it was weird. Yeah, I think we tend to be drawn to the familiar, but but we can, you know, this happened with uh, my avatar that I made for for Star Wars, mm-hmm. <laughs> according to Mark, at least. That was spooky. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you look at Regina's uh, avatar for her her trial run in Star Wars: The Old Republic, uh, uh, at a front you know shot of the face, um, it's Regina's eyes and Regina's nose like perfectly. I when I walked up to her avatar, I was um, spooked, <laughs> <laughs> and I had uh, my significant other Heather come over and look at it, and she's like, "Wow, that does look like Regina." <laughs> 
have a I have a screen capture from it. I'll post it uh, with the with the uh, information for the episode. Uh, but it's a side view, and and the other people that I've sh- I've shown it to haven't haven't said that about it. But I all I remember I, I just hit random. I, I didn't I didn't think too much about it um, because I, you know I was doing it for the trial, and I, I'm I'm still not 100 percent committed to playing. So oh, you will be. <laughs> you will be. I do tend to get sucked into these things sometimes. Do or do not. There is <laughs> there no is try. No try. Yep. Oh God. <laughs> so I just hit random, and then I'm like, oh, that's pretty. <laughs> because you see her every morning. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So I don't I I'm I'm, I'm guilty. <laughs> um, well, Mark, why did you pick why did you pick that particular race in um, the Star Wars game? W- was that the primary choice, um, deciding choice in that game? No, not at all. Because each of the classes has four different races um, that you can choose from. Um, you you don't really know me, unfortunately, but um, my. My cousin here and Regina can tell you that I'm kind kind of morose. <laughs> I kind of tend towards the, the darker side of life and and things. And um, the Rotataki are this kind of gray, dark gray, bluish race, and they have these facial tattoos that look very macabre. Um, and when I when I saw the race itself, I went, "Wow, that that's pretty dark and cool." And I, I was making just for me. And I was making a Sith. Uh, um, Inquisitor, um, which obviously isn't necessarily a very good guy, so I, I thought it just kind of spoke to me. It's, you know, one of those things where you look at it and it's kismet, and you go, "Yep, that'll work." Well, now Regina told me that one of you guys play female characters, but I haven't heard when you get, both of you have been describing avatars. I haven't heard anyone say anything about creating females. Um, that would be me playing female characters. Um, th- that being Mark and. <laughs> um, it isn't a situation where I play them religiously. In fact, I can tell you that I have never had a female character in WoW above probably level 20. And um, I think in DC Online, I played that for a short time before Star Wars came out. I made one female um, character, and I did play her for a little while. But oh, actually, no, I made two female characters, and one of them was um, my main. So yeah, she's probably the only one pl- that I've ever When you were played. playing that, you kept telling me, hey, Regina, I'm in drag, I'm in drag. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in this case, um, it goes back to the gentleman that you were talking about, Rhonda, that uh, said, if I'm going to spend my t- all my time looking at somebody's backside, I, sh- I think I would like to make it a backside I'd like to look at. <laughs> um <laughs> And and that's what I did with that main. But typically, I don't do it just because it, I, I I guess it doesn't really feel like me. I mean, there's a little bit of self player in that, I guess. Um, and also, I don't like the whole idea of uh, the amount of guys out there who play female avatars and then play the game of not really, you know, letting on that they're a guy. Um, yeah. And so I don't like misrepresenting myself very much. But yeah, I, I, I have, but it's not uh, a driving pursuit, I guess. I, most of my characters tend to be um, male. Mm-hmm. Um, I can. I think I can count on one hand how many female characters I've had or do have. But you and, do tend. I mean, you, you you said you've had them in WoW, and I know, you, and you said DC Online, and I know mm-hmm. you have a couple in Star Wars as well. So it seems to be something that at least you return to. Um, experimenting with or sort of um, right. checking out and, you know, just seeing. 
Yeah, and right now my my female tune in um, Star Wars is a a trooper, so she's very much an alt because I've been playing mostly on the Empire side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't even know that she's going to go much further. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think she looks cool, but everybody tells me she looks like a lesbian. I'm like, wow, is that a bad thing? <laughs> that, that doesn't necessarily make her ugly or bad. I don't think she's ugly at all. I think she's a very pretty avatar, but yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> it so is what it is. I want to ask you a question about the social interactions, Mark, of, of playing a female avatar. Did, did you... Did you have any like different experiences? Be- and I, you know, I've I've said this before. I've only played female avatars, and I've had these sort of random gifting experiences. Random, you know, you look poor. Here's have some gold. You know, things that have happened in game um, with people that I didn't know and didn't play with. So, have you had experiences like that? Are are you know, when you play a female tune, or you know, is this just something that I, you know. Only um, observed. <laughs> no, I think it very much is something that happens. It's never happened to me um, as far as playing a female tune. I've had um, a couple of my male tunes have um, somebody come up and give them gold, but it wasn't because they looked poor. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was more I happened to be in the right place at the right time when somebody decided they were um, leaving WoW and wanted to oh. dole out all their money to people to be nice. nice. You know, um, when I when I do play lower level characters. I'm rarely in any of the capital cities or anything like that. Um, you know, because when you're the places when you're people congregate, max, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're max level, that's pretty much what you do. You hang out in those places, or you're raiding, or running right. a dungeon, you're or waiting, whatever. You're, you're looking for pickup groups or stuff. Yeah, you're in right. The high social areas. Right, and when I played um, female tunes, I've never really got them up to max level, at least not in WoW. And so when I'm on playing a low-level tune, I'm getting the job done. I'm out running around doing my quests and, and leveling up. I don't tend to stick around in towns. You know, yeah, well, that's what, one of the experiences that I had. I was out you know, doing a quest and... Uh, Death Knight, I think it was. So somebody who was, and he was uh, tr- skinning, and so he's like, I'm going to, you know, he whispered to me, and he's like, I'm going to, you know, skin your kills if that's okay. And I'm like, that's fine with me. And then he looked at me, and he's like, this is your, is this your only character? And I said, yeah. And he's like, here. And then he gave me 20 gold. And he's like, that'll get you going. And I'm like, um, thanks. <laughs> you know. I've, I've never actually done that, mm-hmm. um, but an interesting side story is um, when I was first playing Wow, back in 2005, around June, um, a buddy of mine and myself were over in, uh, oh, I'm starting to forget what the areas are in Wow anymore. I haven't <laughs> played in so long. Um, dark, whatever. Darkwood? Darkshire. Darkshire. Darkshire yeah. Over by Darkshire, Darkwood, uh, by Miss Mantle's cabin. And we were going there to kill Miss Mantle for the quest. And um, there's this female elf. Um, fighting Miss Mantle and she's doing a good job but she's getting down to the last little bit of her life and it basically looked like she was going to die and my buddy and myself have always kind of had a strong no interference policy because we don't like it when people jump into our fights to you know play the hero or whatever right. so we were letting her you know go at it and you know wanted to let her get the kill on her own and then we realized well she's probably not going to make it at this point and so right at the very last moment, we jumped in and, and helped her out. And I think that's probably about the most, you know, I, for lack of a better term, chivalrous or sexist thing I've ever done in the game. Um, and it kind of worked out because that's my current girlfriend now. 
Oh. Aww. Collective awe. <laughs> yes. So, so Darkshire and Darkwood will always have a very special place in my heart. Yeah. Very nice. What a sweet story. So, well, so it, oh, go ahead. Well, as far as <clears throat> excuse me, as far as socially is concerned, then did she, did you play with her before that, or is it the first time you met the elf? That was the very first time I met her. And then how did the um, communication go or the socialization go after that? How much was it in game from that point? Um, It was very much in game for probably about the first month. And actually for the first two weeks after that, I think I only talked to her a couple of times. And that was because um, she was on Central Time Zone and I was on Pacific. So about every night when I was getting on after work, she was getting ready to log out to, to go to bed. And for for that period of time, you know, I'd jump on and I'd see her on and I'd say, hey, you want to quest together or whatever? And she'd say, oh, no, I'm getting off, you know, bye. And I was kind of at the point where I was like, well, I guess I won't bother her anymore. She clearly doesn't want to play with me. And I just happened to see her one more time on a Saturday and asked her if she wanted to quest. And she's like, yeah, sure. And then we quested all day and <laughs> kept questing cool. and quested all the time together after that. Well, there was another comment that you made that I found interesting, and that was that you di- you don't like it when people misrepresent themselves in game. Why, in particular, is that? I I like to try and be as honest as possible in everything I do, and um, so I expect other people to do the same. <laughs> it's kind of silly. Well, no, I mean <clears throat> to jump in on that, it just seems. You know, it seems like they're walking, walking around in a lie. I mean, especially if they don't. I, I don't know. I guess they don't have it's to a scam. Like, identify. Yeah, it's kind it, of a scam. It, a lot of times with those guys, it's a scam. It's they're, they're hoping that somebody will come up and and give them gold, or you know, if it's a sexual, if there's a sexual component, then they're hoping that they'll you know be able to talk somebody into you know having cyber with them online, you know, in a game or something like that. And, and I'm not like that. <laughs> I'm not really interested in, in trying to get something out of people for nothing so this this is definitely mostly in a situation where there's a female avatar and the the voice for that avatar then is that they are purposely trying to make it sound like they're a woman when they're not right whether it's whether it's in type or whether it's audible okay all right Right. so you if if someone's then for very forthcoming i'm a girl but i'm playing i'm playing a dude Dude, that's not that's not a, a problem. No, not no. at all. Oh, okay. And especially okay. especially if they're not you know trying to you know play somebody. You know if they're just you know even if they don't like officially announce it straight away. You know as long as they're not trying to play people for something, then I don't have a problem with it. I mean I'm out okay. there with my my female avatar is playing, and I'm not doing it because I expect to get any kind of bonus out of it. I just thought I would try something different. Yeah, and I don't think it's okay. any different than uh, you know thinking that a you know particular comic character or game character is just really awesome, you know, mm-hmm. or, or amazing, and you want you want to partake in that skill or you know the way that they look when they fight or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no different than watching a movie with with that character or something like that and enjoying watching them do it on screen. Right. Yeah. Cool. Actually. I just I wanted to be sure that um, I understood the. Um, the, the the comment the, yeah the, the idea of misrepresentation and what that meant yeah yeah right when I first I, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast I apologize if I have but um the first time I presented this topic academically I was at a conference at um 
the American Studies Association for the Pacific Northwest, and a guy came up to me afterward, and he said when he was first playing EverQuest, I think it was, what was before EverQuest? Ultima? I think it was Ultima. Anyway, it was one of the first games, and he couldn't get anywhere in the game with his male tune, and so a friend of his said, make a female tune, and get a boyfriend, and you're going to go really far in the game. <laughs> Seriously, oh, this wow. is what he told him to do. And so he did. So he went, he made a fa- female tune. He got a boyfriend who he, you know, flirted with and, and you know, had, you know, the, this whole, like, relationship built. Got up to max level, all geared out and everything. And whichever game it was, it was one that when you died, you lost your stuff. Mm-hmm. So he finally told the guy that he had been leading on for months at this time into believing he was a woman um, that he was really a guy, and he killed him. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like not having any of that, um, yep. you know. Once he found out that it was a misrepresentation, so so people do, and and I think that's one of the things that I sort of talked about too is that we do assume that that the people, you know, even even though we know, even though we know half, you know, half the avatars in WoW are probably played by. Male, care, male players, you know, mm. people still make that assumption that they're playing with a female player because the avatar is female and yeah. male player because the avatar is male. And so, you know, <laughs> that's it is it is in, in a sense a, a misrepresentation. And, you know, and if people are doing it for malicious reasons, that's it's it, it's just like lying in any other situation i guess right <laughs> yeah yeah it might be mental reasons who knows yeah, yeah yeah you know and and for some you know i've read other things and other people who are talking about this topic or you know some not my participants but other people who have been interviewed on this kind of topic said that they learned a lot about what it what gender meant by by trying out another gender in game and you know and that's great if if that's what ends up happening but i i don't know if that's that's what ends up happening the majority of the time <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, though, that's really interesting about uh, rolling up a gender bender, as I call them. You you can really, most of the time, um, tell what what somebody's actual gender is, even in type. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Because um, I was uh, I was playing in a uh, um, a pickup group in a dungeon. I can't remember. I can't even remember the name of the city. It was the fly, the floating city in WoW. Uh, um, Dalaran. Yeah, the 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 uh, dungeon that was in there, and I was doing a pickup group, and there was a guy in in the group who was griefing me because I wasn't high enough on the DPS um, meter, and I was running an alt that I was trying to get geared yet, and really torqued me off. And th- there was a female avatar there. And she basically whispered me and, you know, told me, you know, hey, don't let it get to you, blah, blah, blah. And I could tell by the way she was reassuring me that this was a female behind there. I mean, I I, I don't know for certain, obviously, because right. I never, you know, met her or anything like that. But just the the tone of the of the reassurance was uh, very feminine. Mm-hmm. I think it, you can tell a lot of a, a lot of people. Yeah, online, yeah regardless are, of their you know, their gender of their avatar. People are paying attention and are looking and observing, I think. But but then their experiences like uh, you know one of my participants had who she went in as a male avatar talking in a female voice and they thought, you know, they didn't think that it was a woman. They thought yeah. she was gay. So Yeah. And I can see that too, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, I actually knew a guy who was um uh gay and he tended to play male avatars and 
for a while, you know, he would catch grief about, you know, are you gay or something like that? So when the gender switch became available, he switched his main over to a female mm. to avoid that. Mm. Interesting. So when you guys play both, I want to know from both of you, where is it you get the most satisfaction? Do you get the most satisfaction out of completing individual tasks? Do you want to charge through the game and finish it to the end or is it an all-encompassing experience i mean what is it that drives you to gaming uh well for me and i'll uh i'll kind of reference back to wow there's the you know the achievement area in there and i'm not you know a big fan of that i mean when one pops up uh the kid inside me goes "Ooh, what did i win (laughs) but uh the uh the main thing is I like to be able to hold my own amongst other players. You know, I recently got my character up to a point of where, you know, I'm, I'm you know, top five on the DPS meter for, you know, a raid or something like that. And I feel comfortable knowing that, okay, he's get, gotten to a point where I can jump into almost any group and be a an active you know, participant and, and asset, not, uh, not a <laughs> yeah, you know, I've gotten to the point where people don't complain about my performance anymore, which is kind of where I wanted to get my character. Um, nice. You know, unlike on sporting games and things like that, I want to be good enough that when a friend of mine comes over to play that, you know, I don't get, you know, completely smashed by them or, you know, it's a it's a good contest. But as far as achievements and things like that, I never really did pick up on those. You know, it really doesn't have any meaning i guess to me emotionally you know or, okay so i think that answers the question yeah. yeah it does thanks um i tend to it's really weird i'm kind of a a lazy mastery player <laughs> <laughs> i guess would be a good way to say it like for instance in role-playing games like uh wow or i was playing skyrim recently for me it's about the journey I've never understood people who just want to race to the end level and and only grind the end level content because it's just the same crap over and over again. I really do enjoy the experience of leveling up a character and one of my favorite things about that is getting hitting a level and seeing what new skill or spell or ability I get. Um, and oftentimes if it's a new game, I don't go out and research online or anything like that or even look at the skill tree or whatever to see what it is that I have coming next because it's kind of like, you know, my little surprise gift to myself when I level up. Oh, that's interesting. That is interesting, yeah. That being said, I like to be good at the games I play. Um, Like mirroring what Ryan says, um, I want to be always in the top 10% of something I'm playing if I can do it. Um, when I played first person shooters, I played, uh, Medal of Honor and, uh, Call of Duty back in the day. And, um, in Call of Duty, they had a, a website out there that tracked, you know, how good you were, um, worldwide across all servers. And I was in the top percent of that and I was really proud of it. But at the same time, I got to a point where I didn't like who I was when I had to play it all the time to get there. So I, I kind of gave up on the first person shooters for a long time and only have recently come back to them now that they're more, they have more of them that are cooperative. Um, as far as like uh, wow goes, I, 
you know, I want to have the fancy shiny gear and and do the in level content, but I'm just not willing to make it into a job to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point, I kind of feel like uh, Blizzard is just making everybody jump through the same hoops every expansion, just with a different skin on it, and have decided that I'm not playing that game anymore. Well, and I think you know, in in some defense of the game, I think in the latest latest version that they've put out, you know, they make it possible with you know Dungeon Finder and Raid Finder for people such as myself, and you know, and I know that uh, Regina was in this with me a little bit. Yep. You know, to experience raids without, you know, so much pressure that you did have to turn into a job to get to that point. Right. And that really did help me out get to the point of where I am now. Right. You know, because it, it helped me understand a little bit more without people criticizing me constantly. Um, well, people still criticize constantly and <laughs> pick up raids. <laughs> I know, but in a in a pug but group, it's just you know you, you not, can not to the same degree. Brush, they do. brush that off a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's a different it's a different dynamic. And I and I agree. I think that that was one of the things that when they came out with that that kept me in it because I had wanted to get to the point where I could raid, and I hadn't I had never been in an environment where I could, and so it was a really good sort of introduction to that. It just gets really old when you run it over and over again because you're you're waiting for that one last piece of gear, <laughs> which is where my character is in WoW right now. So, right. Well, Regina, with um, Mark has sort of self-identified as a self-player. Is is does that fall pretty true? I think so. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of self-player for Mark. I think, like he said, um, the lazy mastery. I think <laughs> there's a little bit of mastery for Mark in playing, but I don't think it's to the same. Uh, it's not to the degree that I, that I would put him in that category. Um, and I don't remember in um, your dissertation. I thought it was very interesting um, what Mark said about enjoying the experience and the journey. Yeah. Um, is is that part of the self-player? I, I yes. I'm, there was another uh, another category, another person who did um, whose name's escaping me right now, who had explorer as like a category of gamer. Um, I think it tends to be more uh, self gamers and role players who tend toward exploration because for role players they're creating you know this identity and and they're experiencing the world as otherly. Um, and so I think the exploration sort of fits into that component as well. But I think for self-players, it's also, the exploration's also part of being a self-player because they get to go in that world and experience it. And you actually talked in your interview a lot about adventure being a key component to wanting to game. And yes. that idea for women is, is it's not as available to them in, in other parts of their life as it, as it is, you know, in game. And so I think for many of the, the women gamers who self-identify or who identify as self gamers, um, I think the exploration goes fit, fit really well with that. I'm going to go in this world and see where I can go. And so I think, I think, and I don't know, Mark, what do you think? Do you think that exploration sort of part of sort of a self identity that you have with the game? When you when you came out with the the list of self and role and mastery or neutral players, um, I've always had a hard time figuring out where I fit in on, on that. I, I know that you s- see a lot of self player in me, and I, I do see a little bit of that in me as well. But I tend to feel like I'm very much 
I very much have a smattering of all three. Mm-hmm. I, I, and that, you know, and then that's where I let, I don't think I ever actually said that, you know, everybody could have a little bit of everything, but there, there definitely could be that too. Well, and I think it also depends on, you know, your mood, you know, as yeah. you're playing games. Cause there, there's times, you know, especially in world of Warcraft, just because, you know, you do have options to do several things, you know, there's days where it is cool just to run around to the different areas and lands and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe do some crafting stuff over there as opposed to really having an agenda right. and just kind of hanging out in the world for right. that day. And, and I think it's also, it also depends on the game itself. Like you said, you know, WoW has a, has a, you know, a lot of different types of things you can do and a lot of different ways you can play. Um, so I, I think it, it lends itself to that sandbox sort of feel where you can yeah. go in and you, you, you can just, you can go in and just cook, you know, or you can go in, you know, I had numerous people in the study who had never been in dungeons that, that never went in instances, um, and, and never, you know, never interested in that end game content and, you know, gear levels and all that stuff. So there's, yeah. there's very much of that sort of happening too. So, well, I'm playing with, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask Ryan how what how he sees himself, which category. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think I was mostly mastery, but you know, I, again, I think it really depends on you know the mood, and you know, as as I think I get older, you know, and you have less time to really devote to uh, to games, it's, it's an escape. You know, it just depends on how you want to escape for that day and how you want to spend your time. You know, there's there's days where I get on and I want to, you know, I want to get together with guild members or a pug and, you know, go into a certain dungeon and, you know, really test my skills as a player. And there's other times where, you know, again, I'm just as happy to go find a, an area and do crafts. Be yeah. a gnome and mine. Yeah, just be a gnome. <laughs> be a gnome and mine. Yeah, I, I do think there is psychologically a component of self-player to Ryan. Yeah, because um, in the past Ryan has mentioned to me that he doesn't necessarily like being the tall guy um, because they can you get you kind of get picked out um, like you know for instance at a grocery store if somebody needs help grabbing something off of a shelf you're the the first person <laughs> oh, they look yeah. to and I think that subconsciously part of the gnome thing for Ryan is is that he's not that big tall guy in the world and so i think it's kind of a, a reverse self-player thing <laughs> that's well, my it's funny everybody in the real world makes fun of me for being tall and everybody in the game world makes fun of me for being, being small short. i can't yeah. win <laughs> you yeah, just, you can. maybe i should start being a dwarf yeah you yeah. should pick somebody in between well and that that was part of what i was picking up on as i was listening to ryan talk about this for ryan i think and if i'm if you allow me to sort of do my analysis i think that the self-player for ryan isn't in terms of creating who he is in game but creating a contrast to to who he is to you know the different sort of struggles or whatever you know you sort of come across here i think in game you you go to the to the extreme opposite of that yeah yeah and that makes yeah, it makes sense, too, because remember we talked to um, uh, in one of the girls you interviewed, she said, you know, the race or the option to put a scar on the face, and she didn't want that because she had a scar on her face. Right, exactly. Uh, so the, the positive or the negative development of the character still can be classified as self. Exactly, exactly. So, so there can sort of be the, you know, um, many 
uh, people talk about wanting. Remember, we had all the redheads. Uh, everybody wanted, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I would, you know, argue might be Felicia Day fans. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, they they were redhead in life, and they want to be redhead in game. So so there was that. So th- that's easily classified as um, as self gamer. And, and I actually really appreciate Ryan's contributions here because it gives us a different way to look at self players in terms of, like you said, the contrast and not wanting to take some of those things from your physical life into the game so i mean for me for me gaming is a i mean for most of the time it's a very private experience i guess and you know i would say you know there's an interesting you know if i'm in like a public you know area in real life and you know i'm there with my family or something and my daughter brings up that i play world of warcraft i mean i'm a little bit embarrassed it's you know because typically you don't that's not something you you I mean, chat with, it's and not you know most grown ups do. <laughs> well, grown ups are you know it doesn't matter you know whether they're grown ups or not. It's mm. just I don't really want to have a discussion. It's your secret geek shame. <laughs> it is it's my secret geek shame. <laughs> I, I will be the first to say that I kind of look like a big burly rock and roll kind of guy, and um, I don't generally want to talk about games outside of my home or my my comfort zone as well. I think that I think that most people have that secret geek shame. <laughs> and some might say that it's because I'm too cool for school, but that's not the case at all. It's just it's mine. Well, I and, really I, and I, I think it's uh, you know you don't want people to start analyzing you that way, you know, as a gamer because it doesn't really change who I am. It's right. just you know it's, it's my hobby at home, yeah. and you know don't don't analyze me. It's unless yeah. you. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say unless you play the game with me or something, right. you know, right. it's just it's just yeah, a, you can it's analyze a facet. Routine. Yeah, I was going to say you can analyze us because you're a doctor. <laughs> Yes, doctor. <laughs> it's it's a facet of who you are, and 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 that's where I want to I want to fight the stereotypes of what it means to be a gamer because I, I want it to be more than that. I, I want people to recognize and understand people who are not gamers to understand w- what it means and and mm-hmm. and the the agency and the the power and the dynamic. You know, connecting people, keeping families in touch, keeping friends in touch over long distances. These are all things that are you know great things. And gaming can bring people together. And mm-hmm. if anything, I want I want it to be so so you don't have to feel that way. And I know I'm you know I'm I, this is an uphill battle that you know is going to be a really hmm. long one. But but that's that's the hope. <laughs> I think it'll just change in time yeah. with with everything. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you look at civil rights, if you look at um, gay, lesbian, and transgender rights, um, it's an uphill battle, but it's. It's just inevitable. Yeah. At the end of the day, and it's wor- uh, yeah, eventually exactly. people just change, yeah, yeah, and, and it's worth it. thoughts and and beliefs change. And I think that's just the way of it with gaming as well, especially since it's so much in in pop culture nowadays. Right. And and you know, there are sayings that you see all over the internet now that you know everybody's games. embraced, and yet it came from gaming culture. So absolutely. Well, right. that's that's a perfect segue into our our weekly segment of of gaming and pop culture. Be, um, before you go there, Regina, yes. can I can I? There's Add- something else that you originally mentioned wanting to have in this podcast, and Ryan and I kind of talked about, it and we're kind of excited to discuss it with you. So, if if you don't mind us rewinding just a little bit, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, one of the things that you had mentioned previously was. Um, that you wanted to know what our feelings were about women in gaming. Oh yeah, actually right. I had that as the question, but <laughs> <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, um we need more women in gaming. I I think that uh right now there's entirely too much testosterone in gaming. Oh yeah. I think there's too much um over the top 
uh, male douchebaggery, if I if I might say that, <laughs> um, in gaming. And I think that women being the gentler sex in quotes, I'm not trying to be a sexist here or anything like that, but you know, for the most part, women truly are. And I think that uh, having more women in gaming can only be better because it 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 makes it a more pleasurable pastime. There's less crap involved. Well, and I mean, once you bring gaming online and you start interacting via voice or video chat in some games, you know, I think people need to realize that it's not a time to forget your manners. You know, I know Mark and I were both, you know, brought up, you know, to respect and, you know, respect women and, and just be a pleasant person. Mm -hmm. And so often, like if you get into a, you know, you join a, a pug group and they want you to join their vent and you get on and there's a female in that vent uh, chat. I mean, the guys are just harsh, mm-hmm. you know, and you can you can kind of hear the, the female in the, the group, you know, try and, you know, come up to that level. And it just it's a little sad, yeah. you know, that they have to be try and be rude back when, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Yeah, right. it's pretty disgusting. Yeah. And and uh, several of the participants that I talked to um, had that experience. Um, I had it. I, I had I've had that experience as well with the guild I had before I started playing with you guys. And I had jumped on the vent, and they had picked a pug guy up, and he was just an asshole, and <laughs> he was <laughs> not nice to me, and he was just giving me a really bad time. And you know, my guildy sort of rallied around me to, to kind of tell him to to cut it out, but. You know, it still turned me off, and it eventually turned me off from that guild entirely, which was a couple of other issues. But um, that one experience really sort of sullied me for okay, let's go be the one girl in this group. So, and and you guys know, I'm I'm all for more women gamers. Yeah, yeah. girls, <laughs> ladies, women, yeah. game on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it's the main reason why I don't play MMOs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all the all my games I play with a very if. if if I play cooperative or online, I link up just with the people I know, and that's mm-hmm. it. Because I have absolutely no patience for the douchebaggery. Yeah. I just don't. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it is. It can be bad. I, you know, I, I'm, I've been, um, I've had some some queries and some other interview stuff that I've been doing. None, none of which is sort of out or public yet. But um, I have a. a academic publication student publication that's i've been doing an interview over email with and one of the questions the the guy asked me was you know how can men behave better online toward toward women and i sort of thought i had this i was sort of taken aback because it wasn't a you know a question i've sort of really thought about in those terms but as i thought about it i i said you know obviously don't ask for naked pictures um, don't send unsolicited naked pictures. <laughs> Pretty much anything that has to do with naked is bad, unless you really know the person that you're talking with. But treat everybody with respect. I mean, everybody. Want yeah, everybody wants respect, and and everybody wants to be respected. And women gamers want to be respected for for their skill in the game and for what they oh, bring yeah. to the game, and and not to be hit on automatically because they're the one girl invent, and not to be dismissed um, as oh you play well for a girl. You know, that should never be a sentence that ever comes out of anybody's mouth or is typed by anyone. You know, those those should not be qualifiers in in terms of games. So I would always take it back to a place of if we want, you know, equality and, and we want this to be what it can be, which is, you know, I don't I don't want to get too utopian in, in it, but, you know, it can be a, a place of great achievement for many people. So 
Well, I mean, you should just treat it as if you were playing the game in the same room with a person. You wouldn't exactly. walk up to a person you were playing a board game with and say, hey, here's me naked. Yes, exactly. Can I see you naked? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here, here, you just here. wouldn't do that. Let me whip this out. <laughs> you know? I mean, they, yeah. it, it seems like, you know, social gaming has given, you know, a shield to, mm-hmm. you know, the rudeness yeah. of well, the internet people. in general. The internet yes. in general. but And then it just get, gets mapped into the game as well. Um, where, you know, people are taking it either too seriously or not seriously enough and, and, and things like that. So, so respect, respect everybody. <laughs> like you said, just like you were in a room with them instead of hiding behind a computer screen. And Rhonda, if you ever want to come and play a, an MMO with Regina and I, you're more than welcome. <laughs> oh, I think I found some new friends. Yes, absolutely. And Ryan too. Ryan's oh, a good thanks, thanks. Play with. <laughs> I could be invited too. Yeah. And we're, and you know we tend we tend to be very supportive in helping people level and things like that too. So if you did want to do that, that would definitely be something that we could. Oh yeah. Well, we're definitely looking forward to Diablo three. Yes, we are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of on the fence about that. Yeah, I'm, another... I'm trying to pull him in. Oh, that's, good. Uh, he's sworn Blizzard off, but yeah, I'm not happy with Blizzard. Well, they're turning we'll, into an evil corporate empire. We'll we'll work on them on him. But I'm all for yeah, it, guys. Well, I'll, I'll play with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my I, guild's I the same way. They're on. They're off. They're on. They're off. But as soon as they announced a date. All of a sudden, they're, they're on the bandwagon. <laughs> Everybody's ready to go. <laughs> Have my money. Take my money. <laughs> well, there was so much anticipation, so I yeah. guess that's what happens. It, there was a lot of anticipation, and I really have a hard time um, coming to grips with the fact that, on the one hand, I, I don't like what Blizzard has become and what they've become under um, Activision and the DB CEO of that company. Um, But at the same time, man, so many hours in Diablo 2, and I just I want to go back there and see what they've done to it. But I just I have this sinking feeling, and I don't want to be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Be a pessimist. (sighs) Yeah. All right. So thank you, guys. I want to thank you both for for braving the the Game on Girl podcast as as the first guy gamers. I really appreciate it, and thank you for your your contributions today. Well, thanks oh, for having us on. It's a, it's a pleasure, and you know, you can when you listen to your previous podcasts, you know, you want to jump in and comment. But, <laughs> you know, but. That's fantastic. And, well, you, can, you know, you can and always, we love that. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we want to do is, is create as much conversation as we possibly can. So yeah, and it's certainly not braving by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> oh. no, they were ready for us. They were ready for us. They they did their homework, which is good. And yeah. I didn't give them that much. I'm like, just take a look at the player types. So well, and from the first podcast, just to comment on the the series in itself, it was. It's a very smart approach to, you know, talking about the subject of gaming. And, you know, you're, you're kind of have it on the, the female end of things, mm-hmm. which is awesome because you don't get enough representation. Right. Um, but, you know, the discussion is not, I don't think, gender-based as a whole. And it's just a really cool series. And, thank you. Uh, thank, thank you for doing it. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate hearing that. Um, you know, I'm always sort of wondering what the reception is, so it's nice to hear. And that was actually one of the things that I went to Emerald City Comic Con this past weekend, and Will Wheaton in his his 90 minute awesome hour <laughs> <laughs> said at the end, you know, when you're doing good things on the internet, you don't always really get 
a lot of feedback from from them because people don't feel compelled when they have enjoyed what you've done <laughs> mm-hmm. to get on your site and say, oh, this is awesome. You're doing a great job. They're much more likely to get on and say, oh, you're awful and horrible. So, no news is good news. <laughs> yeah. So that's essentially what he said. He's like, if you're doing something and you're not getting a lot of response back, um, you know, it's probably because people are really appreciating and enjoying it. So I hope that continues to be the case because I'm having a blast. I think Rhonda's having a blast. So, so are we going to um, talk about pop culture this week? I think we are, yes. We have a really short clip from um, one of the most popular pop culture um, franchises out there right now, 30 Rock. Um, and uh, let's, Rhonda, you want to set up uh, uh, the clip that we're going to use? So we're going to talk a little bit about yeah. it in the rest of the um, episode before we get to what we're, what we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, one of the main characters, Jack, runs a network. And he started with the network uh, when it was hugely successful. He's uh, a pro-capitalist, uh, Republican, and has just never – he reached a point to where he just never fails. Well, the network is bought out. It goes to someone else that does not have his level of standards. And he sees his challenges and his careers – uh, dwindling down to the lowest common denominator, and he is at a crossroads in his career. And um, the it happens to be a holiday for the network, and so he encounters uh, the writers of the show, which he normally would not associate with. And the way they're spending the day is uh, playing a board game, a st- strategy board game, and um, he wanders into the room while they're playing. Yeah. It's sort of a, um, a send up a little bit of uh, settlers of Catan. Yes. Right. Yes. So, so he, and he starts to play, he's sort of reluctant and then he ends up playing. And so the clip we're going to talk, we're going to, we're going to listen to here is, uh, his speech at the end when he has, he thought he was going to be defeated and he sort of comes back into, into the game with, with his, his new strategy. So, uh, let's, let, let's take a listen. I'd like to spend my remaining gold to purchase a fire spell. And against whom will you be casting this spell? Against myself. I am setting fire to my own desert. You're insane! Am I? I'm going to turn my desert into glass. And glass is a commodity that you all need for your elfin oracle mirrors for your crystal palace. For the colorful glass beads that you keep buying for some reason. I'm going to wear them to the pirate's ball. You need my glass, and I'll take your gold, and eventually, the throne of a thousand kings. You see, it doesn't matter if I'm on the windblown dunes of Croft, or in the fluorescent-lit boardrooms of 30 Rockefeller Plaza. I will create something from nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Today, Malar. Tomorrow, Cable Town. You may take your right as king. I'm a virgin with white guys. All right. There we have Jack <laughs> as gamer. What do you guys think? What do we think? Yeah. I think um, he's very much a self and mastery player. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's a very interesting combination of those two. Um, he he doesn't really sort of want to get into the game, but he's he's intrigued by it, which is why he starts playing it in the first place. And then he very much maps that experience of conquering the game directly into sort of what he's going, what is going on professionally and personally for him. I think yeah. it's interesting in that scene that uh, from the beginning of the time that they start playing the game, that apparently the only woman writer mm-hmm. uh, besides Tina Fey is actually the one winning the game. Yep. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and they have the crown that they, or crown, or I don't know what you want to call it. It's not a crown. Let's see, It was like a Roman helmet. Yeah. The, the Trojan helmet or what that they're sort yeah. of, you know, passing on as, you know, marker of who's in charge of the game. So she hands it over to him. And there's really not a lot of, they. I mean, the writers are quirky anyway, and they're mm-hmm. pretty dissed throughout the entire, you know, show. But in this particular episode, they are not um, disrespected for gaming. And Jack never talks down to them. He actually, the very first time that they mentioned that they're playing a game. Uh, he's extremely intrigued and immediately starts uh, strategizing. Right, right. Yeah, he just gets right on in it because he sees the sort of his. It's his favorite thing. It's it's a <laughs> capitalistic takeover. <laughs> yeah, it's a real war. It's a real world experience right. that he identifies with. Right, right. So I, I guess. In terms of Jack as a gamer, it comes down to having to represent something meaningful to him. So, mm-hmm. A life lesson. A life lesson. Yeah, exactly. You know, and he can, and he can, he's going to take at least. You know, you have the idea at the end there that he's going to take that success and and sort of run with it as he goes back to Cable Town and tries to to deal with what he's he's approaching so and sometimes that's what we need i mean we talked about um women um gaming so that they have an opportunity to experience adventure where they don't normally have mm-hmm. uh, or even, in real life leadership and, as well you know leadership in terms of guilds and groups and things like that too so yeah and jack was lacking that and he he needed to see that it was still possible and so he gained that experience on a a small level right. in a gaming level that it's like, you know, I needed that. Right. Exactly. He needed the sort of boost and confidence that came from it. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, I think it's a, it's a great, it's a really nice, really positive representation, especially on a show like 30 rock that doesn't have sort of a niche audience. It's, it's something that, you know, is watched by a lot of people. We talked last week about our last episode about, um, Big Bang Theory, which even, you know, even though it, it has a very large following as well, there's still a lot of sort of gamers that are watching it more than other people, so, who understand it, the culture more. Yeah, and 30 Rock makes fun of everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Big Bang Theory does too. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Liz Lemon is, is, is so wonderfully neurotic, she really is uh, uh, a great sort of representation of, of a woman in a, in a powerful role and so and pl- plays a good foil to, to Jack as well because she's often the one that he turns to when he's you know sort of slipping so yeah I like that I like that aspect too because he does it without acknowledging that he does it exactly and... <laughs> it's just what she's there for <laughs> yeah well cool this was a great segment yeah. Regina thanks for lining it up sure. thanks guys sure yeah, oh, yeah thanks. you're welcome thanks you guys thanks for, for, for participating thanks to the listeners for uh, checking out episode 5 of Game On Girl this 
podcast is recorded with Audacity. And the theme song, Good Day, by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Uh, once again, thanks for listening. Send us comments on the website or via Twitter. Um, I'm Doc Liz with two Zs. And I am row row O M. I'm gonna have to change that <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> We're both linked on the on the website so you can catch us there. And um, until next time, game on. Game on. Game on.